Hi, everyone, and welcome to ForageCast, a podcast from Forage Genetics. Each month, we take a deep dive into alfalfa topics and address real on-farm issues that revolve around alfalfa's integration into cropping systems. And now, here's your host, Emily Message. Welcome to this episode of ForageCast, sponsored by Forage Genetics International. I'm Dr. Emily Message, Technical Support Specialist with FGI. I'm so excited to have Dr. Krishona Martinson with us here today, Professor and Extension Equine Specialist at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Martinson is well known in the equine world for applicable research program, answering questions such as how effective are grazing levels, and do horses prefer different grass species, as well as research evaluating metabolic responses to horses grazing various forage species like alfalfa, among many others. Her work spans many different areas of equine management and welfare, and she has been recognized with several awards, including the Equine Science Society's Outstanding Educator Award. She has graduated numerous master's and PhD students, including myself, and also as an avid horsewoman. Krishona, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, the first thing that I want to do is start off talking about just the basics. What are some of the benefits that alfalfa has to offer horses in their diets? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, we'll get into a lot of things today, right? But I honestly think alfalfa is such an important tool to have in the bag for horse owners. So a few things, horses evolve to be grazers, right? They have small stomachs. They evolve to eat small, frequent meals. So because of that, forages play a big part in, in their diet. The great thing about alfalfa is it tends to be more protein dense, more higher level levels of proteins and amino acids than things like our cool season grasses and warm season grasses. Of course, it has higher digestible energy. So for those horses that might need extra calories, but also one of the interesting things, and I think one of the biggest misnomers that we'll get into is it also is fairly moderate in non-structural carbohydrates, which is a big hot topic issue in the horse industry. If you are on a dairy farm or a beef farm, you're probably thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about. And that's okay, because we will explain that to you. Um, but, you know, also a lot of horses love to eat alfalfa, right? It tends to be a little leafier, a little softer, maybe not as stemmy. So that palatability factor for maybe that horse that is picky, you know, I kind of equate it to the two-year-old child that decides they no longer want to eat what you put in front of them. Alfalfa is the cheese on top of the broccoli, right? Well, this actually reminds me um, of the one project that we worked on during my PhD, the weight loss project. And we had an overweight horse come in and the owner said that he would only eat alfalfa. And of course we were, it was a weight loss project. So we were feeding, you know, grass, lower quality forages. And that darn horse refused to eat hay for, I don't even remember how many days. I mean, that's how much he loved like alfalfa. Two, I, Emily, I think it was like two weeks. Remember we were thinking <laughs> yeah. this horse cannot die. We were getting a little concerned to the point where we almost called the owner because he simply was refusing to eat. So we know palatability is not an issue with alfalfa. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Very true. So you mentioned a lot of really important things that we're going to touch on today. But one thing I want to start with first. So what horses in, in general, so what kind of horse production, life cycle, that sort of thing, are we looking at that would benefit the most? Because we know not every horse is going to need alfalfa in the diet. Which ones do? Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's why sometimes people get a little scared off is they are not matching 
their horse's needs to the type of forage they're feeding. So horses that benefit or do really well on alfalfa are horses that have an elevated caloric need, so more calories. So these are race horses. These are elite performance horses. Brood mares in late pregnancy, early lactation, a breeding stallion with a heavy book, right? With a lot of mares on his books. So those are the types of horses that do really, really well with alfalfa. Because again, it's that it's energy dense. It's providing a lot of calories in a very safe and effective form. Now, I think the best kept secret is that there's also some disease, some genetic diseases and some ailments where we know that dietary influence makes a huge difference and whether the horse shows symptoms or signs of that disease and how sick or how stiff or how effective they are. And one of those, for example, is is laminitis. Um, You know, a mature alfalfa hay mixed with something else really helps bring down those non-structural carbohydrates, for example, that we know can really negatively influence a horse that is currently laminitic or has a history of it. And again, that's probably too much detail for a lot of people. But again, alfalfa is a great tool to have in the toolbox. And in some cases, it's probably the best kept secret. Absolutely. You brought up a, a really great point there that I've gotten so many questions on over the years. And there's just a lot of misinformation for these laminitic or founder prone horses, a lot of times they're recommended to not have any alfalfa in the diet. It's seen as too hot for them, that it's actually going to cause the laminitis. But the the opposite is actually true because we know alfalfa has that lower non-structural carbohydrate content. Mixing it in with the diet actually can help to decrease their risk. And I think that that's something that we, we need to kind of broadcast through the mountaintops of the horse industry is that alfalfa is not what should be demonized here. Actually, it should be looked at as something that can be a a method of treatment or relief for these horses. Yes. And Emily, how many times were you and I doing an extension program, doing a field day, and we'd mention that and people would look at us and flat out say, we don't believe you. Mm -hmm. So then we would show them all of our research data that shows cool season grasses. I mean, of course, this is in general, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Assuming they're harvested at a similar stage of maturity, similar environmental conditions. Cool season grasses are always going to be higher in non-structural carbohydrates, followed by alfalfa and legumes in general. And then the lowest are the warm season grasses. And even after we would show them the forage reports in our data, they would still look at us a little funny. And I, I don't know where that comes from. But it's just one of those things that's so permeated throughout the industry that I think it's going to take a little bit. Of, and there, there are some instances too. So with these these laminitis prone horses, a lot of them are overweight. Yeah. And so I think that's potentially where it gets alfalfa gets a little bit of a bad rap because it is that higher, more energy dense forage. It's not necessarily suited for all of those horses because of the risk of obesity, but mixing it in even with some of these cool season grasses can really be helpful in, in reducing some of those uh, risk factors. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. So for every horse that alfalfa really is meant to feed to, right? Those performance horses, brood mares, high energy horses, or horses that need high energy. There's also that subset of horses that alfalfa just isn't appropriate for, but that goes for many types of forages. So you you hit the nail on the head. That is where alfalfa gets 
you know, is it a good fit? Is it a bad fit? And the answer is it depends. And good thing, Emily, you are young, right? This is like job security for as long as you want your career to be. But again, be smart. A forage that is more mature has less calories. So a more mature alfalfa mixed with a cool season grass or a warm season grass might be the best option for these laminitic horses for a horse with metabolic syndrome. Now, if you have a thin laminitic horse, I mean, alfalfa is perfect. Like that is a great option, but usually laminitis and thin don't tend to go hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're usually, you know, when we see that as part of what we call that equine metabolic syndrome, those are two of the, the most common components, if you will, that those horses have. And I do know from my experience in the West, working with a lot of horse owners, say at higher elevations, sourcing grass haze that were at that lower non-structural carbohydrate level was so tough. So I would, even if their horses were slightly overweight, we would try to work in a little bit of alfalfa to those diets. But we would use those other methods that you kind of alluded to there, such as feeding in a hay net, a slow feed hay net, so that they were extending their grazing time and not having as much of a, a metabolic response as quickly. And those are some strategies that, that really can help, but we won't get too far into that. That's a whole other conversation here. One other thing that I've seen alfalfa use quite a bit is for stalled horses. So horses that don't get out on pasture a whole lot. Alfalfa is incorporated into that diet because it can actually decrease the risk of ulcers for the horse. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So another benefit of alfalfa that I hadn't mentioned, again, there's many, is that alfalfa tends to have a higher amount of calcium than the grasses. It's just how the plant is. And we know that that offers kind of a buffering capacity to the pH in the horse's stomach. And not to get into a lot of physiology, but a horse's stomach is kind of a unique little balloon, right? And it constantly excretes that acid that helps dissolve the the food that is in the stomach. The problem is the horse only produces that saliva that has some of that buffering, you know, that has that buffering ability when the horse chews. So it is really important to have these small frequent meals in front of these horses, especially if they're stalled, because we want them to have that buffering capacity. And that buffering capacity also helps with the ulcers. I think there's been an estimate that up to 80% of performance have ulcers, mostly because they tend to, like you mentioned, they tend to be have limited turnout because they're in a training program or they're very valuable. So they want to reduce the risk of injury. They tend to be fed very high end feeds because they're in a training program or they're expected to perform at a high level. And you know, that training and that travel is very stressful. And so that contributes to that ulcers and the alfalfa's buffering capacity, the amount of, you know, the, the palatability that we also talked about that horses like to eat it. So they can eat it, they're chewing, the higher calcium, the more saliva, it all helps. And and in fact, that is one of the recommendations if you have a horse that is prone to ulcers is to work some alfalfa into the diet, increase turnout and decrease stress in general or as much as you can. Yeah, and I've seen that firsthand work. You know, my I have got one horse here that he's ulcer prone. You know, it doesn't matter how perfectly I have his, his diet rationed and balanced and he's outside all the time. You know, there's some horses that are just have that increased likelihood. And so we work alfalfa into his diet and that really does help considerably. And back when I was consulting too, for some higher end riding stables, they had some horses that were hard to keep weight on. They were having ulcer issues. And I'd ask them, had you ever fed alfalfa? Did you 
did you look at that at all? And they said, no, our veterinarian advised against it. And so we just included, you know, 50% of the forage as alfalfa. And it was amazing. Their weight improved, the ulcer scores improved, and the horses just seemed overall healthier and more comfortable. So I really think that speaks to a lot of these advantages that we see. So one topic that we had, had touched on a bit before, and I just want to kind of finish this up here. So we were talking about how alfalfa is, you know, a very energy dense forage and which is particularly good for these hard keeper horses. Traditionally, though, if a horse is having trouble keeping weight or putting on weight, a lot of times the first thing that we turn to is going to be, say, uh, increasing the grain in their diet. Why might it be more beneficial to maybe look at increasing alfalfa first and seeing if that has the benefits that we're looking for, the impact that we're looking for? Yeah, that is a great question. And it goes back to how the horse evolved. Remember, small stomach, frequent grazer, they're meant to have a lot of fiber in their diet. And of course, all forages fit that bill. And alfalfa, especially with its more energy, nutrient-dense profile compared to the grasses. So I think the the issue is if you look at cereal grains that tend to make up a lot of um, products, so corn, oats, and I understand there are a lot of products that don't have them in there, but Traditionally, like for example, a sweet feed, every company has some kind of a play on sweet feed. The amount of starch in corn, for example, is exponentially higher than that in any forage. Alfalfa, it doesn't matter if it's alfalfa, brome grass, teff, it, it is substantially higher. The horse's stomach is small, and I mean very small compared to the rest of its system. So if they eat too large of a starch meal and that becomes overloaded, and then we have digestion happening in different places where it's not supposed to. That is where we run into things like colic and laminitis because that system has been overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So feeding forages like alfalfa is something we call safe, right? Because it doesn't overwhelm that digestive system and lead to issues down the line where we can easily overwhelm that digestive system with a lot of grain products that have high amounts of corn and oats. And of course, our, new, our equine nutrition industry counterparts have been phenomenal in learning how to better manage that so that kind of put in that buffer, you know, use things more like alfalfa meal, <laughs> things like beet pulp that tend to have a little bit of a better profile than a lot of the heavy corn and oat products. So again, we are trying to protect that digestive system and not overwhelm it. And that is where alfalfa just really fits the bill along with other forages. Now, when we're talking about upsetting the digestive tract, one of the things that people are worried about with feeding alfalfa is the fact that they think that feeding alfalfa actually has the ability to upset the digestive tract. And I think most notably that's seen with increase in diarrhea. Can you explain kind of what's going on there and how we can protect ourselves against that, protect our horses against that? Yeah, so that is a great question. And I think, you know, horse owners are real astute and they understand that if you go from grain A to grain B, you transition. But what horse owners forget is if you go from Timothy to alfalfa, my goodness, that transition time, utmost importance, especially when forages tend to make up 75% or more of the horse's diet. So I think a lot of times we see issues with diarrhea or colic or any kind of digestive upset when people do a hard switch. So we recommend gradually changing any feedstuff. 
whether it's a grain, even a ration balancer, or, or even from alfalfa to alfalfa, just different cuttings, different years, we want to make that slow transition over a 14-day period. So 10 to 14 days, 14 days if you can. So what you want to avoid is running out of alfalfa from farmer A and immediately switching over from alfalfa from farmer B because you don't know the nutrient profile of those alfalfas. Is one less mature? Is one more mature? And that is going to really play it off. So hopefully you can do a slow, gradual transition where you introduce maybe 10% more of a new feedstuff and then just slowly add a little bit more in every day over that 14-day period. And if you do that slowly, you can usually avoid all of those digestive upsets. But if you switch overnight, you're almost guaranteed to have uh, colic or diarrhea. And then people always blame it on the alfalfa, where it's really the management style that's to blame, not the alfalfa itself. Absolutely. And I think that it's maybe a little bit more pronounced when you say switch from 100% grass hay to 50 or 100% alfalfa hay. We do see those changes more drastically because it is a drastic change. But just like you mentioned, it doesn't matter if it's the same field, same farmer. We can have pretty significant differences in nutritional content of both hays from year to year just due to environment and things like that, fertility, soil fertility. So I think it's so important. That's, that's such an important point that we need horse owners to understand is that if you're trying to be as safe as possible, as conservative as possible, have that change slowly. And especially if you're adding alfalfa into the diet, it should be over at least very minimum week period. And, you know, like you said, 10 days, even better if you can do that. So what about the other conversations in the horse industry about alfalfa being hot, being (laughs) too hot? It makes their horses hot. It makes them crazy even. What do you think is going on there? Emily, Emily, Emily. So I I recently spent some time in Arizona and I cannot tell you. And of course, there they have the big West Coast bales that you are probably familiar with, pure alfalfa. And I had transitioned my horses onto an alfalfa cool season grass mix knowing I was making this trip. And I had so many people tell me, you cannot feed Arizona alfalfa, your horse will go insane. And my first response is, well, I have teenagers that ride the horses, so that's good character building. <laughs> Just let it go. But no, but you, so again, it's management. So if you have a horse that has limited work and is kept in a stall, and all of a sudden you start feeding this very energy dense forage in the absence of a more exercise intensive program, they are going to have a lot of energy. They are going to be that kid on Halloween night. And then they're going to crash and burn. And then they're going to be up against. So I think that's why alfalfa gets a bad rap, right? There has been a lot of research projects that have tried to investigate this hot horse theory. Certain feedstuffs make the horse hot. They have been mostly inconclusive. And maybe, Emily, you know more about that than I do. But again, It is a management style. It is like not transitioning the horse and then blaming the diarrhea on the alfalfa when it's the transition. I think you hit the nail on the head with that is that you have to appreciate that it is a higher calorie feed. So it'd be just like increasing the amount of oats that you were giving that horse without changing anything else. Of course, you're going to see a response. And so you just have to make sure that you're adding it for the correct reasons. Again, we don't need to, to do it to your backyard horse that's just sitting out in the field that's already overweight. He's not going to be needing the alfalfa. 
But for those horses that have that high energy requirement, is having a hard time keeping on weight, that's where we see the need for alfalfa. And that's where we see those extra calories really being a benefit there. Yep. What about the misconception of the high protein in alfalfa actually being a problem? So it can cause overload to the horse's kidneys and can you know create issues with that. Where Where's the research on that? Yeah, so that's a great question. We hear that one a lot. And unless your horse already has a kidney issue, which then you're going to manage them differently from the get-go, there is no correlation with alfalfa and kidney issues. Um, you know, with any time you're feeding a dry forage compared to pasture, your horse's water intake is going to be more because, of course, you know, pasture forage is 85% moisture. Hay should be less than 15%. So they're going to drink more water just because they aren't getting as much liquid in their diet from the forage because it is dry and we want our hay to be dry so it doesn't mold, right? So there is no correlation. You do need to make sure that any horse that is on a primarily hay diet does have good access to water and that water will flush out any excess crude protein via the urine. But again, match your horse's needs with the forage you're feeding. So if your horse needs the alfalfa, it needs it. Like it needs the calories, feed it. There's really no concerns at all with with the liver, kidneys, any of those organs, um, unless your horse already has an issue. And then I'm certain you're probably already working with a skilled veterinarian on the overall management of that horse. Absolutely. Yeah. So moral of the story is as long as the kidneys are are functioning properly, you're good to go and you don't have anything to worry about in terms of health of your horse. And one other thing that I've forgotten to mention earlier, when we're talking about health of horse and in some of alfalfa's beneficial properties, is looking at that protein content, it's actually a quality protein content compared to other, say, cool season grass protein, because it has higher levels of these different essential amino acids like lysine, which we just don't see in other forages that are available, other cool season or warm season grass forages available. So that's another reason to consider including alfalfa can maybe help lower your protein supplementation costs. So I think to, to summarize a lot of our conversation today, you know, alfalfa, it really does deserve a place in, in equine diets and many equine diets, particularly hard keepers or, or hardworking horses, maybe not so much for horses that are already overweight or obese or, or you know, are easy keepers, our breatharians. But another important point is check the forage quality. You know, just because it's alfalfa doesn't mean it's going to be a set crude protein caloric content or anything like that. Forage quality sampling is important. And then there's a lot of these myths kind of circulating throughout the industry that really I think that we need to work pretty hard to dispel. And that just comes down to education, talking to nutritionists, you know, talking to veterinarians that work with nutritionists, trying to get the best information out there possible and working with extension specialists like yourself to really be able to feed your horses appropriately and match their production needs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you summarized it perfectly well. It's like you were trained by a pro, Emily, or something. Imagine right? that. Imagine that. <laughs> but, you know, I also think that it is so great, right, to have industry, um, academia, the research community, the veterinary community. We have a wonderful relationship with anyone. And again, I want to emphasize that we're not knocking on anyone with the misinformation. It just exists. And again, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. But people are really starting to see the benefits of alfalfa in the horse industry. And if you ever go to a racetrack, 
pretty much what they feed. But again, look at the energy demands of that horse and the training program of that horse. Um, So anyways, I think this was just wonderful. It was a great discussion on alfalfa. And it's just so great that you're doing this and that, you know, the industry is kind of pulling together to to help us in extension at the university level, educate people on the benefits of alfalfa. Absolutely. Well, I definitely enjoyed it. And thank you so much for joining us today, Kajona. Yeah, you're welcome. I was happy to be here. Thank you, Emily. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you'd like more information about forage genetics or any of the information you heard about today, please contact your local alfalfa seed dealer or visit our website at www.foragegenetics.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. Because of factors outside forage genetics control, such as weather, soil, planting, and product application, individual results cannot be predicted or guaranteed by Forage Genetics International. Always read and follow all label instructions.